Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central Podcast. My name is David McKenzie. That's right, you have to put up with me for at least one more week. The beautiful French accent of Christophe Mallet. He's still gallivanting around the world somewhere. I'm sure he's enjoying himself. So I'm holding the fort for now. Well, it is good to have two guests alongside me. Well, one who is a regular, Sophie Smith. Good to have you once again. Thank you very much. I feel like I should say bonjour, 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 just for Christophe. He's always gallivanting. He's going to be listening to this. so He's got a noted, pattern on that. He, t- he said to me, you're not noted. allowed to say bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. There you go. I've just oh, well, done it. Too, too bad. bad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> good to have you with us, Sophie. And we've got a very special guest all the way from WA. That almost is another country away. Ultra <laughs> endurance cyclist, Jack Thompson. Jack, good to have you in the studios with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on board, guys. Looking forward to chatting. So, Jack, let's uh, well, let's get straight into you because you've uh, you've got an interesting story. You you had an office job, and yep. uh, I think it's one of those classic stories that we hear. One day you woke up, or you went to work, and you said, "I'm a bit sick of this, and I want to do something more exciting in my life." I guess that's that's the crux of it. So, tell us tell us about that journey. Yeah, spot on. So I finished school and I always loved cycling and, uh, you know, went and got my degree and worked in the industry and construction industry for eight years. And I was just sort of fed up with going to work, going through the motions, you know, replying to emails, arguing, bickering. And I you know, decided I'd go, go away to Europe and do my first ultra race, which was the transcontinental. And upon returning, decided I couldn't put up with work anymore. I was going to throw in the pin uh, and pursue cycling full time. So first day back at work, handed in my notice. And yeah, the rest is, I guess, history. I've sort of had to make do with uh, with my bike and try and make a make a living out of it. So now you're, the big thing that you're sort of planning for 2019 is, uh, and this is why we're interested, apart from other things in what you're doing, the Tour de France, it's a three-week race, 21 days with two rest days. You are going to do the whole route plus the transfers in half the time while the race is on, correct? Correct, yeah. So essentially the concept is if it takes the Tour de France riders three weeks to ride the Tour, I'm going to give them a head start and the you know the exact head start I give them still to be determined. But say we give them a 10-day head start and I'm going to chase them down to Paris and I want to win the Tour de France in 2019. <laughs> Soph, is he mad? Yeah, uh, particularly because next year's tour route is said to be one of the most mountainous in history. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that. It makes me a little nervous. But I've just come back from Taiwan where we did a challenge, 14,500 metres of climbing uh, across 28 hours. And I'm, yeah, I'm confident that I can get him. This Taiwan challenge, I know a little bit about this race. It's a sea level two, is it 3,000? Yeah, 3,300 odd metres. In 80 odd kilometres. So it's amazing from sea level because a yeah. lot of races or climbs we know you know they start at maybe 800 meters or so but you did it four times which was basically Everesting correct yeah so the climb itself 3200 meters at the top so you end up with around 3600 meters of vertical elevation across the climb uh, and over 85k so I went up and down four times and the fourth time I actually completed it with the race so I lined up with the with the pro guys the likes of Lawrence Tendam 
and sort of went up with them. And so I ended up accumulating around 700 kilometers and 14 and a half thousand meters of elevation across the, it ended up being across 28 hours, uh, sorry, 48 hours, but 28 hours of riding. Is that the most extreme ride that you've done so far? Uh, yeah, Over like I've, I've ridden longer, like I've done a thousand kilometres non-stop and I've done some um, sort of extreme rides through China, so through the Himalayas where I Everested every day for nine days. Uh, that was central China into Laos. But yeah, this was the biggest sort of planned, documented trip that I've done so far. So before you've said you've got like an obsessive personality, does yeah. that contribute to getting through each one of these? Yeah, absolutely. Like what's your mentality when you're riding a thousand kilometres straight? Have you done that, Maka? No. no, no, I've done it. <laughs> I've do done that, it on Micah? a tour. <laughs> well, yeah. Can I add to your question? Yeah. I guess because, and I say this with utmost respect. Sure, it's like uh, you, you're doing a bit of a Forrest Gump or those ultra endurance people. Because I'm into that. I'm into it. Yeah. And I guess family and life, and that's my excuse. I don't have time to do it. <laughs> but yeah, how do you, how how would you best describe these ultra endurance athletes? And not just cycling, because there's marathon runners, as yeah. you know, that do these extreme things. I think it's almost like comparing, say, a petrol engine with a diesel engine. So we don't ride, obviously, as fast or anywhere near as fast as the tour guys, um, but it's sort of sustained effort. So if you compare it to like a marathon or you compare it to, say, an 800-metre runner to an ultra-marathon runner, it's sort of that comparison. And I guess the for me, you, we touched on the obsessive-compulsive personality. I suffered with it growing up. I had little twitches and things that I had to do. And if I didn't do them in my mind, I'd convince myself that something was going to go wrong. And I've almost sort of channeled that with the riding. So instead of, you know, thinking the spot on my arm is going to turn to cancer if I don't click my fingers two times, I can convince myself that if I don't push on for another 600 kilometres, you know, the world's going to end or something bad's going to happen. And that sort of mentally propels me to the finish. And I think I'm able to use uh, or tap into sort of a, a side of my mind that some can't tap into. And that gives me a little bit of an advantage. So why choose the tour next year? Uh, well, I think the tour is so relatable to cyclists and non-cyclists alike. And so I figured that I want to do something that doesn't just, um, it's not something that just cyclists will tune into. I think those that don't cycle will also tune into it. And I think it's a, it's a great platform to showcase, you know, what's possible on a bike, you know, in a different aspect. So the tour guys are amazing what they do day after day. But, you know, adventure cycling and endurance cycling is a little bit less uh, mainstream. And I think it'd be cool to show, show what's possible. So you've, you've quit your job. That's it. No, yeah, no been... Well, at the moment, you're not going back. They haven't held the, the desk for you. No. How, how do you fund this now? Because you were saying before we came to air, you've got some support on board and uh, you've got a film crew that will be yep. travelling with you uh, to, the, to the Tour de France next year. Yeah. So to begin with, I was living off savings. So I'd managed to you know, save some coin while I was uh, working full time. And now I actually run uh, adventure tours around the world. So I go to extreme places and I like the idea of being able to take people back to these places and showcase it. So now, yeah, I take tours around the world to places like Bhutan, Thailand and sort of places off the beaten track. And that's my main source of income along with a support of sponsors. So really lucky. What about we had our we had a colleague of ours, uh, friend of SBS, of course, and a, and a man who's got right into the ultra endurance, Rupert Guinness. Yeah. What about IndyPack? Because it starts in your in your state. Have, did you have you started that? There's been a couple, or yeah. uh, do you see yourself doing that in the, in the near future? In the the thought of actually racing doesn't do much for me. I'm sort of I want to explore uh, and push my own limits as opposed to trying to push them against someone else. So. The Indy Pack, although it's an amazing race and it's got fantastic coverage within Oz and around the world, it's probably not for me in that I just 
I don't really want to race as such. I just want to push myself. And I've ridden across the Nullarbor a couple of times. And I think for me, twice across the Nullarbor is probably enough. I don't need to do it a third time. <laughs> Once across the Nullarbor for me <laughs> yeah. would be enough. It's a, it's a pretty straight uh, road, isn't it? So what's and what's your cause, do you think? Do you have, it, do you have a cause not just from outside of yourself and, mm. and what, what you need to do this for yourself, but do you have a cause? Are you a greenie? Are you... Are you um, passionate about protecting the planet, or because generally I get, sure. I guess we see a similar theme, don't we, with yeah. people like yourself that get into these things? No, there's no sort of theme behind it, other than the alternative for me was a sort of miserable life sitting behind a computer, <laughs> and I didn't didn't enjoy Sounds it. Sounds terrible. So <laughs> I want to make the most of living. <laughs> so, do you have an entourage on the road? I imagine that a crew of support. You yeah, mean, or? I mean, a bike rider has. Swanya, everything to assist no. every part of their <laughs> no. So that's journey the difference. on the road. So how do you tackle this? Is so it- I basically will, um, and the details are still to sort of be decided, but the sort of supported racing and unsupported racing or riding. And so supported riding is where you might have um, a crew behind you that has all your food um, and supports you along the way. Uh, and unsupported riding, which is what I'm more of a fan of, is where you carry all your own equipment. And you sort of, if something goes wrong, you MacGyver and you fix it. So it adds an interesting aspect to, you know, life on the road. Nothing's ever set in stone. So how have you managed, have you had like one particularly low point where you thought you had to stop and have pushed on through? I imagine in a lot of those, I would. There'd be a few <laughs> yeah. of those. Um, yeah. How do you sort of navigate the emotions that go with what you're doing? Yeah, so it's definitely a roller coaster ride. You have highs and lows. I haven't so much had any lows on the bike aside from just stomach bugs and things that make you really ill, but I was arrested in central China last year on the Tibetan border. They thought I was a spy, so I got thrown into <laughs> lockup and uh, questioned <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's sort of the worst experience I've had on the road. And looking back, you know, it's it's an awesome talking point. So yeah, touch wood, I haven't had any uh, any real disasters. Just an international rest. International <laughs> yeah, rest. Uh, yeah, just a small international <laughs> rest, almost thrown in a jail. Gee. Um, and have you watched some of these, uh, I guess, documentaries and movies? Because I'm, I'm into them, like the one Le Ride, which I think documented the 1928 Tour de France where two guys yeah. – have you watched that? And do they inspire you? And, and I guess writers like um, past and present, but Hubert Opperman yep. for me is one of the greatest, you know, endurance writers uh, that come out of Australia. So do they inspire you? Yeah, like the Le Ride. I'm pretty sure I saw that on a Qantas flight maybe last year. And that, I think that may have been almost, if I if I think back, that may have been, been the initial sort of inspiration for trying to tackle something at the tour because it is such a, it's a huge event. And to try and be a part of it, although not racing, you know, be a part of it in some capacity, I just think would be awesome. What sort of training do you have to do? Pro cyclists, everything's so specific. Yeah. Science has almost taken over the training of um, professional cyclists. But as you say, it's like petrol versus diesel. So what is it just basically banking Ks? And how many Ks do you do in a year? Because the average yeah. pro these days does a bit less than what they did probably 20 years ago. They probably do about 25,000, 30,000 maximum, I would think. So in 2017, that's my biggest year kilometre. Well, I ended up racking just over 50,000. <laughs> 50,000. Yeah. Oh it's not intensity, but it's, it's again, it's like a car at, say, 3,000 revs. You're working, but you're not 
gassing yourself and so it's quite sustainable and so most of my training is in the one training zone and it's just a matter of hours on the bike to try and replicate being away somewhere remote. 50,000. Do you listen to music? Like, oh yeah. Do you get bored <laughs> over 50,000 K or just so the, yeah, the hate music, your life a little bit? I get bit? sick of my own music. <laughs> <laughs> so, before a ch- so before Taiwan for example I had four days where I didn't listen to any music and it was almost like a – and for the first ascent, I didn't listen to any music. And then my reward was actually listening to music on the second so climb. That, so that you had that all planned in your head. Yeah. Right, it's going to be – I'm going to starve myself of this and it's my yeah. little treat when I when I um, first start my first yeah, ascent. Yeah, right. it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. So when things <laughs> get tough, you've always got a little reward for yourself. What song do you normally go for? I actually I wrote about this the other day. The first song in Taiwan was a Lady Gaga song because no I'd just way. seen the Lady Gaga movie. <laughs> so then for the next five it or so hours, shallow, you just had Gaga. Oh, God, yeah, no. Lady Gaga going around in not your head. Not full on. Not for the Deep for the entire. <laughs> I like the house the house that. tunes, the the beats that get the heart rate up. German so, trance or something. Yeah. yeah. And do you train with some of the guys because WA, as we know, produce some world class cyclists. Yeah. Do you train with some of the guys over there? Yeah, when they're in town, I try and get out with uh, guys like Michael Freeberg, um, Jai Hindley is back in town at the moment. And there's some, yeah, WA's produced some great riders. So over summer, there's fantastic company to train with. Um, and saying that's difficult to get someone to come out for eight, nine hours. So they, you do a part of your mad. ride together. Do they ever think you're crazy when you say, hey, boys, I'm going for a 300 kilometre ride? Who's keen? Yeah, I put it on Facebook. Who's coming out with me? And I get nothing back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, Jack. Well, there's. Uh, I'm sure we'll continue your journey. Stick with us while we discuss some of the other cycling news stories uh, that have been happening around the world. And so I'm, I'm sure you've got a few as well. But I will just begin uh, by, on a sombre note, uh, the passing of one of the great legend cycling commentators and just one of the nicest guys you could ever meet, the passing of Paul Sherwin tragically at the age of 62. Unexpected. Uh, we don't know anything else about it yet. What we do know is that we're going to miss such a, a great man, Soph. I was shocked when I read that news and um try not to get upset. <laughs> I was able to talk about this off air without getting upset. Um, Paul was like a, a great man. I knew him as a commentator, not a, a professional writer. And he was one of those people that I guess in the world tour you can it's so easy to just be like very egocentric or be really dialed on what you're doing, but um, he was a mentor. He was a friend. He would always stop, doesn't matter how busy you are. Um, he would stop and say hello and be able to elicit a genuine smile. And, um, I mean, there's people all over the world that have paid tribute to him, um, but genuinely brought a tear to my eye to read that this morning. Yeah, it really didn't. And you hit it on the head and, uh, I'll second what you say and, uh, our deepest condolences and sympathies go out to his family and his friends that will spread far and wide around the world. So a real um, a real tragic passing in cycling. There's plenty of other news going on though, so we'll try and uh, keep it upbeat. The Jaco Hurled Santua route has been announced, the full route. We did know that they're going back to Arthur's seat. Starts in Phillip Island. Do we need a visa for Phillip Island? You ever been to <laughs> Phillip Island? Jack? I've never been. No, I went to Arthur's Seat on Friday, and it's a hell of a climb. <laughs> what did you What did you make Fancy of that? What doing do you make it as well? <laughs> <laughs> Next year, we um. So we we fortunately we didn't ride up it. We were just doing some photos and whatnot halfway up. So it, we you know we looked like we were climbing up it, and I can I feel for the guys who didn't climb up it at the Jaco. So and five times, five times, yeah, five times, and. A Phillip Island start, as I said, a Melbourne circuit finish, which I think is great because they're losing that Fed Square opening prologue. And the other big news, 
And somehow this race gets the big names. Richie Port will start his season at the Jago Hill Sun Tour. I was surprised with that. He's making his debut with uh, Trek team debut, I should say, with Trek Sega Fredo. Earlier this year, or, or last year maybe even, he spoke about um, completely skipping the early Australian summer season and trying something different um, because obviously he, he wants to peak in July and um, normally after that. So I was surprised that he was actually coming back. He and his family do go to his native Tasmania for a Christmas break, but I guess with the course and what Jack just said about Arthur's seat, he might be sitting there going, yeah, it's got my name <laughs> on it. His lips. Bit of confidence. Richie really has to write off confidence, so... It suits him this year, I guess you could say. Yeah, and the first time since 2011. Uh, Mark Renshaw, broken pelvis in his hometown, Bathurst, of all places. Isn't he the mayor of Bathurst? I mean... What's he done? Well, he got he actually got hit by a car hit through a, a roundabout. Around. The, roundabout uh, the car, the roundabout didn't see him. The car, person in the car, what we allegedly didn't see him as they came through, collected him, he hit the... Um, Went up over the bonnet. Up over the bonnet. Like it was quite serious, but... Many injuries, Jack. No, I personally of. haven't had many. I've, I've, touch wood. Yeah, touch wood. <laughs> I've been knocked off. I jumped, uh, you know, a cat ran out in front of me. That's sort of the worst in his road rash. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, poor Renshaw. It was worse. It wasn't a black cat, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think it was. Don't ask about the cat. <laughs> so no broken bones. You've had no No, bro- I touch wood. I keep touching wood. Yes. Yeah, no yes. broken bones. Uh, so that's no good for Mark Renshaw because uh, there was – we were questioning ourselves, weren't we, uh, throughout the tour this year, whether or not he'd have another contract. You know, we thought maybe it's towards the end of his career. So it's a, it is towards the end of his career, so it's a bummer when that happens. It's a setback for him. I guess he and Mark Cavendish have almost been tandem in unfortunate accidents or, or illness mm. this year. Um, he also had a, a massive problem with sinusitis earlier in the year. So sort of a shout out to him because he's been through so much this year. He had a sinusitis injury and came through that. And then the, that team, Dimension Data, like bled through the season. Yeah. <laughs> bled through mm. this season. Tough, they yeah. had so many injuries. They were overworking their debutantes because yep. they had no one else to fill it. So, And it says he's off for three to four months, which for a fractured pelvis makes me think it's a it's a it's Pretty serious a yeah. of an injury. So yeah, uh, yeah. that'll be a massive setback for him and also might have repercussions during the year because I read in a team statement that he had plans to do the national championships and Renshaw's always had a bee in his bonnet about the national championships. He hates that the course doesn't change, doesn't suit sprinters, he says. But I imagine if he was starting, he'd be doing it for selection for the world championships. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure that this might have more repercussions than just missing or just missing three to four months of training and racing. Yeah, so get well, Mark Renshaw, rest up, and hopefully we'll see him back sooner rather than later. Raman Bardet, he's entered the debate again. It's like a bad smell list debate. It won't go away, but I've got to bring it up. He wants to ban race radios. Jack, yeah, go to what Jack. do you think? I can't be bothered. Come <laughs> on, what? you're not a pro cyclist, but so you can say what you want. Ban yeah. them or keep them. I don't know. It'd be nice to mix it up with some of the races. Perhaps some of the races have them and say so it'd be nice to see the tour without radios and see if, you know, the, what sort of impact it has on the on the likes of, you know, Team Sky and those guys. Yep. So I think it'd be a nice experiment. I think I, for the first time, I think I agree with you. I read Bardet's comments and they've all been similar in some ways because the big one to say not to ban them is the safety. And I think we all totally get that. Mm. However, I actually... I think now I'm I'm starting to warm to it. Imagine if we did it and and just test it. And he said, we don't know if we can. We don't. We can't really say until we test. He said, why don't we at least yeah. test it? Um, and then you know, what do you think, Soph? I've changed my mind on this 
through the years, like you said, it's a bad smell. So I think it, I've been talking about this since like eight years. I initially or originally always said, ban them because when you sit in a team car at a race, you actually realise how much influence sports directors have yes. on an mm. event. There is almost a race happening in that convoy between sports directors. Like they're doing deals with each other. They're making agreements. If you're a journalist on, and you speak garbage. English and they don't want you to hear what <laughs> they're saying, garbage. they'll talk in Flemish or Dutch <laughs> so you can't like don't know what they're like doing a deal, what their deal is. Um, so I initially never liked that aspect of the sport. I thought I th- thought it took away from the purity or the – know, general idealism of what professional sport is. Having said that... Do you believe in Santa Claus too, do you? Totally. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> I'm excited about Christmas. Don't I'm getting my first real Christmas tree this year. Never had one before. My father pointed out earlier, you don't like the smell of pine. I was like, didn't think of that. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but I've actually changed my mind on it since. And mainly actually back of the last week <laughs> when you were like, where I want to speak about this. Because I don't think it matters. Like I think if you're... T- not that... The argument isn't from the pro rata perspective, they're taking it to get rid of sports directors, but you're still going to have communication between those sports directors. It's not going to change that tactic. They're going to drive up and drive back. And I actually think it would, I think Bardet said he thinks it would reduce the risk of crashes. I like think it would increase the risk of crashes. His point with that was, and this is one of the other good points. No, I'm glad you brought it up because it's just jogged my memory. He said, you know, if there's a narrow section of road or right hand turn and they're going into crosswind, all of the director sport ifs are on race radios to all of the riders saying, make sure you're at the front uh, at kilometre okay. 80. So he said, you've got more chance of a crash on that corner because all of the riders are getting told, make sure you're at the front. So I can understand that. Whereas if you take all that away, um, you know, you're going to have, well, it's, I think it's worth trying, I guess, yeah. the point. That, what, uh, what about power meters? That brings, you know, it makes well, me think about power meters. Do we ban those yeah. as well? Well, the whole thing is about, technology within the sport and I always like to think I'm pretty progressive and we've yeah. got to move with the times and yeah and look it's an interesting point Jack that you make there and where, where does it stop maybe we go back to you know the ride yeah, days exactly. the, the 1928 school. Tour de France old school <laughs> you have to ride with Jack for non-stop do transfers on your own all that sort of stuff Brussels to Paris don't stop <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um, now just in case so if you and I were feeling like, um, you know, we're not doing enough exercise sitting here with Jack, and Jack, this might even trump you as well. Go for it. Frenchman Robert Marchand celebrated his 107th birthday, 107th, would you believe, by going for a 15-kilometre bike ride. This is a man who in 2012, he broke the hour record for the 100-year-plus category. They had to create the age bracket for him. <laughs> Is it a one-man race? Well, 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 it's the hour record, so you do it on your own. What a legend. What an absolute champion. Rode for 15 kilometres at 107. You see the photos of him as well in the video, and he looks amazing for that age. It's incredible, isn't it? And his doctors apparently have said, all right, look, no more racing, time to stop. And he said, I'll be the one who makes that decision. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a great story. Uh, Latap was on on the weekends. Great weather. They finally had some good weather and I think a few thousand people as well. That's always a big hit. It is good. Good to see a little bit of the tour as well brought to Australia. It gets everyone... Uh, in the mood or a bit more engaged, maybe. A- absolutely. About taking on something Jack's, like Jack's doing. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and speaking of endurance, ultra-endurance riders and Hubert Oppenman, the Oppie, Australia's uh, crowned Australia's ro- cyclist of the year. Once again, Rowan Dennis, any surprises there from you two? 
No, I think Rowan's had a great year, especially with the World TT uh, under his belt. I think you know it'd be difficult to give it to someone else this year with what he's done. So yeah, I reckon that's well deserved. Soph? Well deserved, I would say, because of what he's achieved this year and also looking forward to next year. I think he'll be one to watch. Uh, new team, so that always brings uh, about changes and, and adjustments, but he'll be working, I imagine, with Richie Port's old coach who was at Bahrain Merida, and he's very keen ah, on, okay. on... He's been told to lose weight, I understand. Right. <laughs> he's always been told yeah. to lose weight. Wow. I'm pretty he... sure he's told the Ming ways less than I do, right? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a big talk about uh, him stepping up to be Grand Tour rider. He's been working and he wants to, very much so, like, yeah. since February on, he, on his climbing and um, sort of being consistent. Do you watch? Do you watch your weight at all with what you're doing, Jack? Or uh, is it just open slather? Oh, eat a little, what you it's can. A seafood diet. So whenever I see it, I eat it. Seafood. So you can smash like a burger when you're. Yeah. <laughs> listening to Lady Gaga. It's a matter of keeping the calories up while I'm riding, but then yeah, I have to be a little bit careful when I'm not on the bike and taking it a little easier. Right, and a couple more little uh, news bits, news grabs. Team Sky new kit again. Promoting the ocean rescue, which is a good—it's a good thing. Like it's a good I thing. Like Ten years since Team Sky began. Can you believe that? Ten years in the peloton, and we're still talking about them. Oh well, <laughs> they're the, one of the best teams in the world, and how to beat them. Yeah, and it's almost becoming like that race radio bad smell. Like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it sort of is, isn't it? And you had another news piece. I think you interviewed Mario Wirtz, director for Lotto Sudal. I did the other on day. Caleb Ewan. What can you give us, yeah, uh, fill us in on that? Story will be online uh, on Cycle, Cycling Central, I should say, this week. Just what I had a chat with Mario last week just to get an idea of it's always a difficult time of the season, actually, to sort of into pre season, but um, how he, what his impression of Caleb was and how he thought uh, Caleb would fit into the team next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if if Caleb has a real cracker of the season, and and this is in the story. Um, Mario reads off the Lotto Sudal list like it's like embarrassment of riches, and it almost is. Like it's not the lead out that led out Andre Greipel and made him famous, but there's a lot of new guys or newer guys that have supported Andre and know how that works. Mario referred to like you know Robbie McEwen at Lotto, so he's got a lot of experience there, and also and and I put this to him as well, and he's spoken about it. Looking at Caleb's competition next year, everyone sort of not on the back foot, but um, maybe not as an not on the front foot like Caleb is. He's hungry because he missed, he got snubbed from the tour. Um, he's got a team for the first time that's fully backing him. Mitchelton Scott always had this focus on uh, too long a focus, I think, on slowly developing him. Yep. This year, next year, he's going to be expected. He'll make his debut at the Tour de Under. Mario will be there directing him to like. He's getting that support. He's got to hit that mark. But if you look at his rivals, Fernando Gaviria's last minute gone to a new team, which aren't necessarily synonymous mm. as synonymous as Lotto with sprinting. Mark Cavendish has been ill and just lost his like primary pilot. Cavs old. He's passed it. Sure he's, Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who else have we got? No, it's true. It's uh, it's uh, they're good points. You know, uh, yeah. Marcel Kittle was very inconsistent with Katusha Alpus yep. this year. Yep. So it'll. I'm predicting very early and, and based on how much confidence Mario had in Caleb that he'll deliver. He'll I think he'll be hungry down under as well, especially with Mitchell and Scott being there. He'll want a, a Ooh, bit of a yeah. proving point. It's going to be good. And it's only, good angle. A, it's only a few weeks off. Can you believe that? Jack, I want to thank you for coming in and joining us. No, thanks All for best. having me, guys. And good fun. we will somewhere see you in July uh, during the Tour de France. But great to have you on board. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good luck. Well done. So, yeah, thanks, Evie. Once again, pleasure. Thank good you. Good to have you Always in. Always, And don't forget, subscribe.
to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast on sbs.com.au forward slash cycling central and schedule a ride with our friends at Zwift. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye for now. A quick shout out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.